Joelma, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to have you. Good to be here. Now, your last name, how do you pronounce it? Okay, do you want me to say in English or? English. So English would be <laughs> so Regis. Regis. Yeah. And you're fine with that? Yes, I'm fine with that. Okay, you don't you don't cringe when somebody says Regis? Oh, no. no? Okay. But there are other pronunciations. I mean, Reg, either Regis or like in Portuguese, it's really Hedges. Hedges. Yeah. Okay, so that's the more formal way of saying your name. Yeah. Okay, Joelma Hedges. Hedges. Do people call you Regis sometimes? Oh, well, no. No? No. No? So mostly Regis is what you yeah. get. I mean, mostly... Most of the people call me Joelma. <laughs> so just Joelma. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. Now you, you're you from Brazil. 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 So you you grew up there. Yes. I was born there in the south of Brazil, like very south near Argentina in Paraguay. Okay. Yeah. Does it get cold there? It does. Yeah. It's pretty much like here, like Houston, actually. Does it snow? In some parts of the state. Yeah. But not. Usually, no, it doesn't. But just like Houston, do you get the crazy weather swings that we do here? Yeah, especially nowadays, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you grew up there, you went through your whole schooling? In... Yes, until, yeah, I finished high school and then I started college and then I I moved, but uh, yeah. Were you Catholic, raised yes, Catholic? I was born in a very Catholic family. We... Um, my mom and dad, like, took us to church all the time. My my dad, like, we always teased him. We told him, you should bring a bed and live in the sacristy <laughs> <laughs> and leave it there because, like, he was always in the church. And, yeah, so we were pretty. Do you have brothers and sisters? Four sisters. Yeah, only sisters. Where do you fall in there? I'm the fourth. So okay. We, yeah. You're the baby of the five. family. Yeah, so I have one young, younger sister. Oh. So we are five. Oh, five. Five okay. girls, yeah. Five and all, okay. Yeah, my mom always tells us that my dad was always waiting for a boy, uh-huh. but the boy never came. <laughs> wow. So only girls, but then he loved his girls. But five, yeah, five wow. Five of us, yeah. Are you most of you in here in the United States or no, all over the world? No, I'm the only one here, and my four sisters are in Brazil. One of them, she's a. A consecrated woman like me. So okay. she lives in the northeast of Brazil. So it's pretty far. And three of my other sisters live still in my hometown. Are they married? They're they married. Have kids? They have two kids each. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you get to go back often? I just went for Christmas, this past Christmas. And uh, I go, I mean, not very often because also it's pretty expensive uh -huh. home. But um, yeah, I go. How long What's is the flight? Oh, I think it's, is it 10 hours? Is it a direct flight? No. No. Yeah, so that's why I'm not sure because, yeah. Because of all the layover time all the and all of that. Yeah. But I but think it's probably like nine hours. Total flight time. Total is more. Yeah. Yeah. Because also I always get But in the air, about nine yeah, hours? more or less. Okay, it's not that bad. Not that bad, yeah. And is, the, is there a big time difference or are we in a similar time are, zone? Three hours difference. So it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad either. Yeah. When we, when we fly to the Philippines to visit my relatives, oh. it's, it's the opposite side of the globe. So oh, it's a imagine. huge change yeah, in terms of, of, you know, time zones and mm -hmm. jet lag and all of mm -hmm. that. But 
That's not, not so bad. Nine no. hours and three hours difference. No. Yeah, it's just like you're going to another to yeah. like California going or to something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you said you're a consecrated woman. What exactly does that mean? Well, so there are consecrated uh, in many different. So I am part of the focolari. So I'm called actually in Italian. I am a focolarina. Okay. In Italy, we never say I'm a consecrated woman. Okay. I just say I'm a focolarina. And then Italians know what that means. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so there are consecrated women who who are consecrated with different groups. Okay. Um, so it's different for everyone, but for for us, so we basically live in community. So it's pretty much similar to the life of the sisters. Okay. But um, we don't work fully like for. Uh, like for the convent, like if we live in a convent or okay. we work in our regular jobs and we try to bring, to make a difference, whatever we are. Okay. So, so it's, you're almost a sister, but not really. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a little different. Okay. Like it's, it's really another vocation. Um, yeah. So like in my house, for example, like I lived with many different uh, people, but I lived uh -huh. with nurses. So like they would go you know, to the night shift or to the day shift. And so and then you bring your like, faith with you and you bring it there. Yes. Okay. And, yeah. Teachers or um, engineers or like all kinds of uh, professions or artists. And so you try to make a difference in that environment where you work, like to bring that, to bring Jesus there, to okay. bring the light of Jesus there. Focolare means a hearth, like the fireplace. Okay. That is like the, the Italian, um, the English translation for focolare. Uh -huh. And um, focolarina is like that, the carrier of that fire, the fire of okay. the love of God. Yeah. So like I should be bringing that warmth and yes. that uh, fire wherever I go. That's yeah. awesome. So as a, as a consecrated woman, as a focolare, are you allowed to get married or? So there are different vocations within okay. focolare. So some, uh, many of the, women and men who felt the vocation to follow, to live this spirituality, but they feel their vocation, first of all, is to get married, then they do get married okay. and, and they live the spirituality. But those of us who felt the vocation to really give ourselves completely to God, mm -hmm. then that's it. Like we, we take vows. Um, okay. Per, yeah. Perpetual vows. So we don't get married. Okay. Yeah. And you personally, did you take those yes. vows? Okay. So you will be single yes. for the rest of your life. Yes. All right. So let's back up to your, your background. Did you go to a Catholic school growing up? No. I went to a public school. I'm just a regular kid. <laughs> did you think about becoming a, a sister growing up or a consecrated woman? Uh, no. no idea whatsoever. No. I mean, actually, when I was preparing for my first communion, uh -huh. My sister and I, bo both of us, uh, were having our first communion together. And my mom told us, on that day, you can ask anything to Jesus. Okay. And Jesus will give you. And we were like, oh, what should we ask? And, um, but of course, like, I couldn't ask, you know, for toys or clothes or, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> anything <laughs> like that. Or a PlayStation or something like no, that. No, yeah. right? So I didn't know what to ask. And I asked my sister, what? What are you asking? She, oh, I don't know. Okay, let's ask mom. So I, mom, what, what should we ask? Mm -hmm. um, and she said, well, how about um, asking Jesus for you to become a nun when you grow up, like sisters? 
And then I was, okay, uh, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I, I didn't have anything against it. Uh-huh. I was eight at the time. That early, huh? Yeah, I was eight years old. And my sister did the same. So the two of us asked Jesus, you know, for that uh, grace. And uh, I remember uh, a few years later when I was um, a teenager, even like pretty soon, like I was only 12 and I already started, um, I don't know, like having those desires of, I don't know, getting to know the world. And I don't know, I loved to dance. So I, I, I just wanted to like to go out and just like disco discover life. Like I was kind of like tired of just that circle of, home school and church that that all we did now like home school and church were you school. sheltered growing up pretty much is that what you're saying i mean no but um we played a lot like we had we had friends coming uh -huh. all neighbors you know coming to the house and we played a lot so it's, we were okay but somehow i had the desire for more like for more okay I just needed to get to know more than spread just, your wings and yeah. see where it would take you yeah exactly so I remember that once in a while, that thought of being a sister, like, I was, oh my gosh, I asked Jesus that. And so I remember like once in a while, like with my simplicity of like 12 years old, I would say, Jesus, please don't listen to me. Like I was just a kid. Like I, I didn't know what I was asking for. Like I, <laughs> I just didn't want to. I mean, not that I had anything against the sisters. Like I love, I knew some sisters mm -hmm. and I loved them, but. I just felt that was not for me. Uh -huh. So I wanted, yeah, I didn't want anything to do with, yeah, becoming a nun. And so I also um, was, um, I think like from, we are five sisters and I was like the worst of them. Really? Oh, you were, you were, uh, you were the, uh, you were the, the black sheep in the family. Yeah, huh? actually one day my mom even, even told me that, like, do you want to be the black sheep of the family? <laughs> because I did something bad. Like, I, I got home so late. And anyway, I, I got her very upset. But I mean, she loved me. Like, she, my mom really, like, I think my mom saved my vocation. Really? really? Yeah. Because I somehow, like, she had such faith in me because I was so rebel. <laughs> like, I was always wanting something else and i was i escaped from school like i did so much oh uh, you skipped classes oh huh? yes i went out with my friends i i did you sneak out of the house a lot or just stay out too late i would stay out too late yeah. okay well once in a while i was i would sneak out too but just like i didn't do anything bad just, just go dancing yeah because like, you're a dancer or, yeah <laughs> i was just like go out with my friends and things like that but my mom when i was i think i was 14 she kept telling me like why don't you go to the youth group okay in the parish like they seem so good and it's and i was like mom that's not going to be fun and i just like didn't want to do that but she kept insisting and then i thought okay i'll i'll give it a try and i went and i loved it i i loved and actually i mean i saw it as a way for me to get out a little bit more because with the youth of the parish my mom and dad would be good because i was with the church uh -huh. <laughs> so it was a little bit of an excuse for me to 
you know, get out. Oh, and, you, yeah. yes. You still followed your parents' wishes, but you but, were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, nice way to play the rules, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it was bad. It was bad. But I think it was uh, good that I stayed with them because in that way, I didn't do something too bad. You know, I could have ended up. Um, yeah. Yeah. At least you were the good group of people. I was with a good group of yeah, people. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. the wrong crowd. Yeah. But we went to parties like every weekend. So I loved that. Yes. <laughs> and you went dancing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Were you like a, in a dance troupe in high school or anything? No. That's where you so just like to go out and dance. I loved to go out and dance. And I want, like when I was little, I wanted to be a ballerina. Like I always okay. thought of. But I wanted to be so many things when I was little. Um, but uh, what types of things? Oh, I had all kinds of. Yeah, like I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a model. I, I had like all kinds of like mo the other day I was uh, I remember this for some reason that when I was little, I with one of my sisters, we would do a um, fashion show outside okay. of my house. We would just like my mom. Uh, for the neighbors to see or Yeah, just our friends. <laughs> OK, so we would. I, especially I would uh, just get fabrics for my mom. I would just, you know, get everything that she had and I would just make up my own costumes. And <laughs> and we had like from the gate to the garage door, we had this nice. Um, it's like a pathway. Pathway, uh -huh. like cement, but like two things of cement. And then in the middle, there was like a very nice grass that my okay. mom had with like little flowers. So I would just like make up my own costumes and I would just. And that was your ramp. Yeah, you go back and forth on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of this the other day. Um, yeah, so I, I did. So I wanted to be a ballerina, but um, my parents couldn't afford uh, to send me to school. There are five of us, and so you know, when one wants something, then you know everybody has to get it. Oh, of course, and yes. So my mom always said, you know, that is like surplus. Like you have to focus on your studies, and mm -hmm. so I always thought, well, when I grow old, I will just do it myself I will pay for myself and and so actually I started working very early in life like I wanted my own money like I just wanted How to be independent I was only 14 Oh that is pretty early Yeah and I asked my mom I want to work I want to have my money and What did you do I just like to buy clothes and things like that But I mean what oh, work what I did. Yeah. So I uh, worked in a boutique in a like in a actually it was a children's boutique like ch children's clothes okay so it would be selling okay yeah and that that was part of your interest anyway because of your fashion show thing yes. and, yeah. <laughs> so what brought you here to the united states um my community the focolare okay yeah. how did you discover them so when i was in i was 18 my actually my uncle came to my house and he was inviting my mom to this uh, gathering that was called Mariapolis and I was in my in my bedroom I was doing something and I could hear the conversation they were in the kitchen with my mom and my sister they were just like having coffee like in the afternoon and talking about this and I just felt there was something interesting about that like first I was like Mariapolis I was like I was just coming up with cities like Indianapolis and other uh -huh. cities. You know, what is that Mariapolis? And uh -huh. then I remember going out of my room and asking him, why are you not inviting me? And he was like, oh, 
sure, yeah. I mean, if you want to go, sure, yes. Like he was a little, um, I think he didn't expect that I was going to be interested okay. in going, you know, on a retreat. Um, Did you know? So you had no idea it was a retreat? Uh, it, um, well, he was saying that it was a retreat. Okay. Yeah. But it, this name was strange. Okay. And so, I don't know, somehow I it felt. It intrigued you. Yeah. Okay. I thought, why are you not inviting me? He said, sure. Yeah. So then he told me more about it. So Mar I found out Mariapolis is city of Mary. And I thought, okay, um, well, why not? Let me try this. Uh -huh. And because with the the young people in church, we went for so many retreats and things. And it was always fun. And I thought, why not? So I went there. And um, that was just like unexpected. Like I just, um, that that retreat just changed my oh, life. Oh, so it wasn't like, like it was the just, other retreats that you've been to. This was just something completely different. Completely different. I think because the other retreats were so much fun. Like I was more like for fun. Okay. And I always, I always ended up dating somebody after that retreat. Like, you know, I met someone during uh -huh. the retreat and then I was dating and uh, or something. There was something like fun, but not so deep. And that one was like, it just went straight to my heart. How old were you again at this time? 18. 18. Okay. So at that point yeah. you did a, did do a little dating here and there. Oh, yeah. I did a lot of dating. A yeah. lot of dating. <laughs> Anything really serious? Yeah. One one guy I dated for two years and for we were going to get married. I mean, he... Really? Yeah. He started, he bought a lot and he wanted to start oh, wow. building and all of was that. Was this before that retreat? Before, yeah. And and so you were actually talking about getting married. Yeah. I it's interesting because he was very convinced that we were going to get married. But okay. on my side, I always said, Oh yeah, but you know, we still have time. I'm so young and uh -huh. it, it, and it was true, I was so young. Yes. Um Was he, yeah. he your age or a little older? He was older. How old yeah. was he? I always dated guys who were older than me. I, I guess I always felt I was so mature. And <laughs> <laughs> How much older was he? He was, I think I was 18. Um, no, I, when I started dating him, I was 15, I think. 16, maybe. Uh -huh. And he was 20. Oh, maybe. wow. That's, a, that's yeah. a pretty big gap, huh? Yeah. So I always dated guys who were older than me. And how were your parents about that? Was it a secret? They, or did... Well, that one was not a secret anymore. Like my first ones were secret, yeah. Okay. But the first boyfriends were just like, you know, just dating here and there. Like okay, nothing really and serious. Then the first one, when I was fifteen, I dated one uh, guy, and I thought, okay, this one I have to tell my mom and dad. This uh -huh. is my first like official, so I did tell my mom. She was very worried because he was not Catholic. He was he belonged to another church, another Christian church. Okay. And uh, my mom was worried that my dad would really be really upset and uh -huh. he would not like that. And so there was that whole, you know, yes, um, commotion at home. All my sisters talking about it, and oh, of course, and the relatives know too. Yes. <laughs> so it was a whole thing. But then my mom really liked him, like when he came to the house, and, uh -huh. and my dad liked him too. And I was the first girl, the fourth daughter, so it was not that hard. My first 
sister. Like she was the oldest. She's the yeah. The the oldest is usually yeah. the one that goes through all the yeah. heart because it's the first time the for first the parents time. and they can't accept it. But yeah. by the time it came to you, they've it, yeah. been there, done that. Yeah, it's so just they, another boyfriend, yeah. right? They were okay. Yeah, so. So we you were for quite a while, for almost a year. I th- okay. I think, yeah, that one. But then I just felt that no, I couldn't. Like I just couldn't stay. I couldn't imagine myself with him the rest of my life. Okay. Also because we would fight uh, about theological things. No, like he would say, "Why you Catholics do this and that and uh-huh. that," and I would say, "I don't know, but um, this is what I believe." And mm-hmm. so we would fight a lot. And I thought, no, like, I, I don't want this. You kind of knew deep down it wasn't going to work out. No. And this is, and then is, is this the one that you, uh, who thought he was going to marry you? Or? He also thought he, he would marry me. But no, that was the one who lasted on for a year. So, okay. So, yeah. And then after that. And then after that, I dated this other guy who was actually, <laughs> it's embarrassing to say, but he was my math teacher in high school. Oh, boy. Yeah. And So how old were you? So I was 16, yeah, it was. You were 16 and he was 20. He was about 20, yeah. Oh boy. I know. Did did you get in trouble? Did he get in trouble? No, because we waited to tell publicly only after I graduated, so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing they could do anymore about that after you had graduated. (laughs) So you kept it a secret for how long? I don't remember, for a while, yeah. At least a secret from the school. I think he started coming to my house. Oh, but your family knew. My family knew, yeah. Okay, they were wow, okay that's with it, yeah. surprising that it didn't get out. Yeah, but also like I brought him to the, because uh, the the in the church the group of you know, in those days there was no problem of a safe environment, <laughs> like we were young adults and yes. youths together. Okay. I was one of the youngest of the group, but most of them were young adults. Okay. So I brought him to the group. He became very involved in the church. He became more involved than than I was okay. at the time. So he was one of the leaders of the young adults. And so it was good for him that he dated me, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> you brought him to, yeah, to the faith, right? <laughs> yeah. So he, you said he thought that you two were going to get married. Oh, and yeah. He bought, like, bought property and everything, yeah. huh? Yeah. Did he actually formally propose to you? Um, we spoke about it many times, mm-hmm. but I always brought up some doubts uh-huh. uh, that it was too soon. And so I said, just let's leave it, you know, for later. But then more and more, it just felt like I I didn't like certain things because I didn't like, like sometimes he was a little jealous and I just, I always picture myself like, how can I be with someone for the rest of my life who doesn't trust me fully? Because yes. if I'm with him, I'm if I love him, I love him. I'm not going with anybody yes. else. So why can't he trust me? And I just didn't like, that was one of the issues, like not being, I don't know, I wanted my freedom. Like I, I felt if he trusted me, he would be okay if I went out sometimes with my friends if he couldn't. Did you feel like he was suffocating you? Yeah, a little bit. I've ha- I've had that experience yeah. as well. Oh yeah, and then it kind of makes you think: if this person doesn't trust me, are they trustworthy themselves? Mm-hmm. That's another thing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So after the so when you did you break up with him because you were moving to? Oh no! So into the sorry, I got into this whole explanation, but no, yeah. No, that's so fine. back to my <laughs> when my um, 
When your uncle? My uncle came, uh-huh. right. So Were you still dating him at that time? I was not dating him anymore. Oh, so you broke yeah. up. I that. broke up by, by that time. What made you break up? These things, these issues of like trust and jealousy. It just became too much. Yeah. And I guess Jesus knew that I was supposed to be his. <laughs> and so he just put in my heart some feelings, you know, like, oh, I was not excited anymore about him, okay. about that, that person. I was, I didn't know that I was going to be excited about Jesus later. <laughs> but at that time, I just, I don't know, that love just faded away a little bit. Uh huh. It, it was, was it was no longer new and exciting. Yeah. And so, but when you went to this retreat. But then when I went to that retreat, um, anyway, when I got there, I just saw um, how happy those people were and uh-huh. I I felt there was something different in them. Like I just couldn't touch it. Like I couldn't I just didn't know what was different about those people. And so I wanted to find out more. And I noticed like those who were on stage, like giving a talk, uh, then I would see them maybe like cleaning or doing something just like or coming and talking with us, like with the young people that were there, just like they felt so normal and so real. There wasn't like that air of superiority, you know, of people who spoke, who gave a talk. And then they were just like like me, like normal people. Uh That was one. I think the first thing that attracted me to, to them, like I just felt, welcomed i felt at home with they them. didn't you didn't feel like that person is the star and they can't you can't mm-hmm. reach them you felt like mm-hmm. they were on the same yeah. level as you they're simple i remember the last uh, day there was uh, one of the ladies who went up to she wanted to share something i, I don't remember what if she, if she was giving a talk or what then i found out she's she's a doctor and she was someone really but she was so simple and she, I don't know, like I just felt there was something different there that I had not experienced before. And um, one of the things that uh, also caught my attention was that um, in my church, like in, in my parish, I there was something that I really hated uh, when people would uh, gossip. Okay. Like, so I would see those people at church, like, yeah. You know, at mass and doing this and presentations and, you know, doing so much good there. Yes. But then they would be talking against one another. And I would tell my mom, like, oh, why this? That, that, that turns off a lot of people sometimes oh, when, yeah. when people at church gossip against mm-hmm. one another. Yeah. So I didn't like that. And sometimes I wanted to leave my group, leave the church because of that. And my mom said, don't you know, it's okay, you know, human beings are like that. We all have our defects and we, so my mom would try to kind of, you know, yeah, make me understand them. But then with that group, I didn't see that. I didn't see gossiping. I didn't see, I just saw um, authenticity. Yes. Unlike the sometimes hypocritical behavior mm-hmm. that you sometimes see. Yeah. 
And they spoke about um, one of the things that uh, Chiara Lubick, the, the person who started this, uh, the Focolare, she, um, I learned a lot about her those days because I was asking a lot of questions because I wanted to know more. Like I was so What's intrigued. her name? Chiara Lubick. Chiara Lubick. Where's she from? Italy. Italy. Okay. Yeah. And so you researched on her. I, I was just asking people there. Okay. And they, they would just say, oh, yeah, she used to tell us this and this. Or like um, she used to say that when you go to to mass, like don't 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 do like many Catholics who um, they go to Sunday mass and then uh -huh. they get home and they take off their coat and put it there. And then they are a different person. No, like we have to be the same person all week long. Don't like, just be a Sunday Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, many like of those little things, or like one thing that they told me also was, um, when you go home, like, don't worry about telling much, you know, of what happened here. Your life has to tell people. Like, it's your life that has to talk. Mm -hmm. And like, the world is full of uh, good uh, preachers. Um, you know, a lot of people speak so well. Yes. What the world needs is uh, someone who lives and gives that witness of God. So that's something that really attracted me to. And I tried it. Like I, I went uh -huh. home and um, I remember like my sisters are asking me, so tell us more about it. Uh -huh. Because usually when I came back from my retreat, I was all like jumping and so excited. Yes. And, and that time I was like quieter and they were like, did you like it? Oh. And I said, I loved it. It was more in internal. Yeah, I think so. And uh, one of the things they they spoke a lot about was to um, put into practice the words of Jesus. And so one word of Jesus that really touched me is uh, when he thought he says, "Whatever you did to the least, uh, whatever you do to the least, you do to me." And that uh, I thought, okay, so it means like Jesus is present, like in you. Uh -huh. like now I'm talking to you and Jesus yes. is there. And so at home, I remember I used to argue with my dad a lot because, you know, I liked parties and all of that. And uh -huh. he not always agreed with me. So we would, I would just fight back. And then I thought, if Jesus is in my dad, I cannot fight back with Jesus. So let me try to listen to him. And uh -huh. to understand. And so I did, like I tried my best. Didn't, you know, it was not a, an it, overnight change. Oh, it was difficult. Yeah, you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it from me, somebody who's yes. had their share of fighting with their parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my mom, too, like I would um, help her, you know, just like make my bed, you know, like keep the house clean because it's not that I never helped her before. But now there was like another intention, like I, I was doing that for Jesus. Mm. So it was just like different, you know. And I remember my mom told me after a couple of months, she told me, you know, I think next next year I'll try that Mariapolis thing. Oh, there we go. I want to know what they did to you. Like, <laughs> so she, so she, she saw, saw a change. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did your sisters say that as well? They didn't tell me. <laughs> oh, but that, they... but they little by little, all of them, like the following year, my mom came with me and one of my sisters. Uh huh. And then the other one went to another Mariapolis. So like. 
four of us in the house were trying to live that same uh, spirituality. And then the other two later, like in the years after, they also. So now basically everybody knows it and they. They've been through it. In different levels Mm -hmm. of um, participation. Uh But they all. And even my father, he. um, Like at first when. Because it's not that I went to that retreat and already wanted to consecrate myself. No, like. No it's, way. Yeah, like, it's a process. It, no, it, yeah. yeah <laughs> Sometime because I thought um, I still wanted to get married. I uh-huh. always wanted to get married. So, but my dad, I remember. So a year after, I told, um, I I started already feeling some sort of hmm. Is Jesus calling me to something like that? Like, I started. It took a, a year or so. It took uh, even less than that for those thoughts. Okay. I had that like pretty soon. I remember calling my uncle and telling him, so what's going on in the Focolare? Like nobody's inviting me for anything. Like, mm. is there anything going on? And, and then he told me, oh, because in my city, they didn't have the consecrated people. Okay. There. Uh, they were like three hours away. So it's not that I went there very often. But my uncle would just tell me, Joelma, try to first um, put into practice whatever you learned. Okay. And then little by little, you know, you can, you'll, you'll get in touch, you know, you'll have another retreat or something. But I found out that they go to mass. They would go to mass every day uh-huh. at the cathedral. So I started going to mass. How every- far was the cathedral from you? So, well, actually, I was working. Um, so I worked during the day. Okay. And at that time, I, so my, I had finished high school already and I was just taking a course and I was working during the day. Okay. So I finished work at six and mass started at six. Oh boy. So I had to get a bus. And so I would like run, like after work, I was just like, run, get into the bus. And then to, from the bus stop to the cathedral, there was a little hill. Uh huh. And I was literally run. Running up the hill. Yes. Oh boy. Did you try to, to sneak out of work early just to. No, no, because I had learned that to do the will of God, I had to follow stay. the rules. Yeah. And was this the, the same uh, job, the clothing store? No, no. it was already another, another guy. Okay. And so you're running up the hill after rushing to the bus, mm-hmm. getting on the bus, riding the bus, running up the hill. Yeah. How late were you for mass? So I used to get there. At, it was not so far away. So like at 6.15 or 6.20 the most, Okay. I would get there and I would feel bad to get there and go for <laughs> communion because, oh, I'm so late. So I can't go for communion. So one day I still remember like running up the hill and thinking, is it really worth it? to run to go to mass and then i get there i can't even get communion because i'm you're embarrassed yeah yeah like i'm late and then all of a sudden i had this image of uh, this memory of uh, Zac- zacchaeus He went up the tree. Uh-huh. He climbed the tree only to look at Jesus. He only saw Jesus. That's all he wanted was yes. to see Jesus. Yeah. 
Because so, he was a short man, right? Yeah. Yes, that's why, yes. And I just thought, I want to run and go there just to see Jesus. And I will see him because usually I go there at the moment of the consecration. Oh, wow. That Okay. So, so you missed all the readings and the gospel yeah, as well. Many times I missed everything. Oh, wow. I just went anyway. And um, yeah, so just the fact of running there to see Jesus. Uh-huh. And sometimes I got there a little bit earlier and I was able to go for communion. And um, But my my father was really impressed that I started going to Mass every day uh-huh. because he went to Mass every day, but none of us daughters like went to Mass every day. And I was the first one like going to Mass every day. And no one in the Focolare told me to go to Mass, but I just felt that that was what I was supposed to do. Wow. And so, yeah, I started going to Mass every day. How old day. were you at this point? I was still, eight, yeah, it was right after that. I was still 18. 18? Yeah. Okay, for an 18-year-old to decide to just leave work, rush onto the bus, run up a hill Mm -hmm. just to get to Mass on a daily basis. Wow. There there must have been some kind of fire in you at that point. Yeah, and I later, only later, I realized that the people, the the just small group of people, they were maybe six people, Uh accounting my, my uncle. They were all adults, like all older than me. But there was something special about them. And I just felt like attracted to follow them, like to do what they were doing. And then only later on, I realized that um, in the Focolario, we talk a lot about having the presence of Jesus among us, like whatever two or more are united in my yes. name, I'm there. So for us, we really believe that Jesus is here. Like if we ask him to be with us, like Jesus is present, like uh-huh. a person here. And uh, and so looking back, I I see that that I did not see, but Jesus was there present among them, and Jesus was the one attracting me to them, to that group of people, because there was nothing like they're older than me. You didn't have anything in common, really. Yeah. Uh huh. And so and then going to you know to mass every day and beginning like my. Uh, relationship with Jesus, more and more that led me to later discern that God was calling me. So how did you enter the group formally? So first, I I just started participating with the young adults. So I would like the first time, actually, my uncle um, was going to the other city to visit the the house of consecrated men. The women lived in another city, so he was going to that one. So I said, can I come with you? So I went with him and I entered that, we call Focolare Focolare Center or Focolare Uh House, just like the one we have here in Houston. But it was men, a group group of men. And I entered that house and I just felt the presence of Jesus there. And I remember like walking to the kitchen Uh and one of them was cooking dinner and he had his uh, apron on. Uh Already, I was like, oh, I have never seen my dad cooking dinner. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was already impressed, but there was something else. Like, I felt, oh, this is like, I don't know. I've, I really feel the presence of God in this house. There was something in the air. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is your uncle, I, mean, I should have asked this earlier, is he a consecrated man? So he was, a, he was a, 
I don't remember if he was already married or he was about to get married. He was, uh, maybe he had, he was like 24. He was still young. Okay. Because my mom is the oldest and he is the youngest. Okay. So he was and kind that, of like your cousin. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's probably, I don't know, six, seven years older. Than okay. So he was getting married. So they were, he and his wife were part of the, the community. community of the family. Okay. Yeah. He was just dedicated to the community and. And he was, he brought you in. Yeah. So he a, brought you to, on a, it was a tour, I suppose, when yeah, so the first just, time you went uh, there. Yeah. He, I went to get to know them, had dinner with them. I don't even remember what else we did, but then went home. And then eventually I went to the women's focolari in the other city and got to know them a little bit more. And I just told them, invite me for whatever you do. Uh-huh. So they would just invite me for the retreats and all with the young, young women. We did a lot of, um, uh, some with altogether young adults, but many uh, of only young women, like, you know, uh, in Brazil, carnival is very big. Okay. It's like actually happen now these days. Uh-huh. Today, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, you're yeah. talking about the rodeo. The car- no, the carnival in oh. Brazil. Oh, really? Yeah. Right Mardi-, now. Mardi Gras. Oh, Mardi Gras. Okay. Yeah. It's really big and kind of bad. Like, uh, it's not so good. <laughs> uh, a lot of, like, bad stuff happens Okay. There. So we would, uh, the young women would travel somewhere else and we would do like a retreat during those days because okay. there were like days off. Do your own thing. Yeah. Something so, completely the opposite completely of this. Opposite, yes. Okay. Yeah. So those, we would go for many of those things with the young women, just like to go deeper into relationship with God and learn more about the spirituality, like the spirituality of the focolare, you know, like how to, how to love. Mm-hmm. To love the others, how to put into practice Jesus' words. And yeah, it was. So my involvement was more like with the young adults without thinking of consecrated myself. But then uh, in that, uh, after a year that I was just living like that, uh-huh. I went to my second Mariapolis. So my mom was there and my sister went with me. Nice. And the last day of the retreat, I was speaking with one of the consecrated women there and I told her, I don't know. It seems like there is something going on here. Uh-huh. I am afraid to say, you know, like that this might be some sort of vocation, but uh, there's yes. something here. And so she invited me. She said, why don't you uh, take a break with school and have a, because I was also struggling with school and work. I, I was sharing with her all of that. And she said, just take a break and go and live with um, a group of young women who live very close to the Focolare house. Okay. So that you could have more, you know, be in touch and have like some time of discernment, just like okay. for yourself, just, and I said, okay, I Kind can of immersion that. of sorts. Yeah, like to learn more the spirituality and mm-hmm. also to see if that is something that really, you know, that I was not inventing, but God was really trying to tell me something. Uh-huh. And so I did, I said, yes, okay, I, I, will, I would love that. So I remember going to tell my mom. So I told my mom, mom, so I'm going to go for just for a semester. Uh-huh. I'll go to Porto Alegre. It's like eight hours away from my city. I'll go there and live in this uh, apartment with these young women who are, all of them live the spirituality of the Focolare just to learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And my mom started crying. Like crying, crying, crying. Is that good tears or bad tears? And I was like, mom, what's the matter? Like it's only a semester. <laughs> oh, she thought you were leaving to, uh-huh. to, to disappear into the convent. Huh? <laughs> and then I told her, it's only a semester. And she uh-huh. said, 
I know it's not only a semester. She knew. Yeah. She saw it in you, mm -hmm. in your, oh, wow. She, she knew it was coming. She was just yeah. waiting for it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then, but I was like, but it's, it's still okay that I go? And she said, yeah, I'm happy that you're, I mean, I'm happy, but she was crying. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure she saw the transformation in you yeah. and she knew it was just a matter of time mm -hmm. before you took that step. Yeah. And from then on, it was no looking back, huh? Yeah. I never came back. I just came back to pick up my things. Wow. <laughs> Once in a while, I would call her because I needed money. Uh -huh. And mom, can you sell my thing, whatever I had? Can uh -huh. you sell that for me and send money? Because I need money. <laughs> so it was just that, yeah. So you, you, you didn't go back to school after that? Or? So while my high school um, was um, in, in Brazil, we have this... Um, high school that prepares you to be a teacher okay so i was a teacher like elementary school teacher okay but i still had to go to college like to finish college but okay. um they um the focolare told me since you do have a profession like you can but i those six months was not yet like for sure i was just discerning of course but then when i said yeah like when i went to a more formal um retreat Mm -hmm. They, uh, my the person responsible for me, like for the the, the that region, she told me, Joelma, if you, um, I was doing in, in Brazil for university, I needed to change university because, okay. like, well, I moved to another city, so yes. I had to go to another college, uh -huh. and uh, it's not that easy. Like, I oh really? Yeah, transferring is very yeah. It's and in Brazil they have this uh, test, big test that you take to enter university, okay. it's called the vestibular. And um, when you pass, your name goes on the newspaper. Like there is like pages and pages of the newspaper with okay. a list of names there. Oh, sort of like an entrance exam, huh? Yeah. Okay. So I was out, uh, I was away for that retreat and I called one of the girls who stayed behind and I told her, can you uh, please let me know when the newspaper arrives and then look for my name there and then to let me know because my so this was the proposal from my director she said if you pass the exam uh -huh. it's clear that god wants you to enter university and you know continue your yes. journey here until and you know until you already finish school and then you can go for your formation um but if you don't pass that might be a sign that God wants you to already go. Uh -huh. And I was like, so nervous. I can and, imagine because yes. it's in the newspaper too. That's kind of embarrassing if everybody know. knows that you didn't make it. Yes. So, <laughs> so I went to call and my friends were uh -huh. with me. I think there were like, maybe it's at least six of my friends were all around me. Uh -huh. No, that's fine. And, uh, and so I called and so did I pass? Is my name there? And so on the other line, she said, oh, well, actually, no, your name is not there. And so I just covered the phone and I told my friends, I didn't pass. Uh -huh. And so the reaction of my friends, they were like, yeah. Oh, because they wanted you to, they, they, <laughs> that's hilarious. They wanted you to stay with them and not enter I the mean, community. They were not, no, the contrary. <laughs> oh. They knew that I was supposed to be a focolarina. 
Like okay, and so they wanted me not to go back to university, but oh, go to okay, that's what it was. Yeah, and so for me it was like an encouragement because I was like hesitating. Oh my gosh, like is this really like what God wants for me? Like I always wanted to get married, and now like I'm giving up everything uh-huh. to go. Is this really what God wants for me? Like I was hesitating a lot. But seeing like how my friends were so sure that I had a vocation uh-huh. that I still didn't see it clear. And they were so happy that I didn't pass the university, uh-huh. which is crazy, right? <laughs> uh, they were so happy for me. And so all of a sudden, like there was a joy like inside of me. And I thought, okay, it seems like God wants me here. It's kind of like your mom. Your yeah. mom knew mm-hmm. already that that was going to be your path and your friends knew it as well. And yeah. It, you just didn't see it. I just didn't see it clearly. Yeah. Wow. And then from then on, you just entered the community. Yeah. So from then on, I started there. So in Sao Paulo in Brazil, okay. like a, a, we have a center of the faculty there. So I uh-huh. started there and I started learning Italian because then I would go to Italy to for the final like two years that we have like school uh, of the spirituality and the doctrine of the church and all of that like so two years in italy yeah so actually stayed five years in italy oh wow yeah because i stayed for those two years and then i stayed longer long sorry where in italy is that it's uh, near florence okay Mm -hmm. okay And and then in this time before you know you entered the community did your ex boyfriend try to get back with you oh yeah yeah. How did he? Uh... He, but actually, I, okay, this is embarrassing, but I had other boyfriends after that. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, you weren't sure, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you had, so you had, you still yes. dated around a little bit. I dated around, yeah. And actually, I, I had one boyfriend. My last, like, serious boyfriend was a short period of time. But uh, I think he, if I got married, that was going to be the one because, um. Yeah, it felt more like the right person. Okay. Because also he started living that same spirituality. So it was more pure, our relationship. You know, like he never tried anything more like the other guys had tried before, even like in p- talking about purity. Like he was really loving enough. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it was a pure relationship. And so I thought, yeah, that would have been my husband but what happened why but didn't then it work out god um i don't know moved things inside of me and i just felt like i have to try this out like i have and i told him and it was so nice because i went to him and i said i think i feel like we need to break up and uh-huh. then i told him also like i i'm feeling some things and i i think i god wants wants to tell me something and uh-huh. and it was so easy like he was not like the other guys who really wanted to convince me to stay mm-hmm. with him no he was very gentle and he said no no, no it's, it's okay it's completely okay and we still became you know continue being friends and it was really good so that was another sign like it was so easy to break up oh okay yes that was that was a big sign for you that it was yeah this was the right thing mm-hmm. to do Whatever happened to him? Did he get married? Did he, he enter the community? Yeah. So after like years, like my sisters would tell me, Joelma, he's not getting married. 
I think he's still waiting for you. And I remember when I went home for the first time, um, I was in Sao Paulo and I went home like after two years, I think. I was so afraid. I was afraid to see him. I was afraid that I was going to fall back. Into okay. Him. And I was, yeah, I remember like going to the, uh, the one of the directors in, in Sao Paulo and I told her like, I'm afraid <laughs> to go home. Uh -huh. And she gave me, um, uh, it, it's like one of the first early letters of Chiara Lubick to, um, to the group of young women who were discerning. Okay. And she talks about virginity. Uh -huh. And it's like a very beautiful letter. And she made a copy and she gave me. And so I took it home and I read that letter like every single day. And he came to visit. He came to my house and I was, oh. Here we so, go. Here we go. So he came to my house and um, I was by myself. My parents are not home. My sisters are not home. Somehow, like I was by myself and he was there. And uh, we just ate dinner together. We spoke. Uh -huh. and it was completely peaceful and normal. And No pressure. To no pressure. <laughs> and so nothing happened. So I was really grateful for that uh -huh. uh, letter on virginity that really encouraged me to just, this is it, like God, I felt God really called me to this. And so this is what I want. And yeah. And he didn't Not say anything or anything? Anything. No. He was very loving and gentle and yeah. Okay. And any of the other ex-boyfriends try to come no they didn't uh once in a while one of like there are two of them who found me on facebook okay even recently like last year uh -huh. one of them found me on facebook and started writing to me and i, I replied politely mm -hmm. and uh, and when i went home i saw him too like but no nothing nothing do they end up getting married eventually? Yes, or all of them are married, except from one. Yeah, one of them didn't get married, but all of the others. Yeah. He's still waiting for you. you think? I don't think so. <laughs> At this point, so many years have passed. Uh -huh. so. No. so what bring what brought you to Houston? How did how did you move from five years in Italy? You said. Yeah. So in Italy, um, I stayed because um, here is another part of my story. Uh huh. Um, Remember I said I like to dance and I Yes, yes. When I was little my parents couldn't afford and I just felt like um saying my yes fully to God was also leaving behind that part. My desire to dance. Okay. I was given away. Like because entering consecrated life, I would never imagine that I would dance again. Uh-huh. So I remember really like giving that to Jesus. So guess what? When I was in Italy, uh, we have, the Focolari has a um, performing group. So they um, are made up of uh, consecrated women. Like okay. One, and that is another group, a band that is the men, like the consecrated men. Okay. So one of the girls who was part of, she danced in that group. She got sick and she had to have an operation. And so she couldn't dance like for at least a year. So I was in my second year of school of uh, formation with the Focolare and they invited me. They asked, 
would you mind like replacing her because uh-huh. we really need someone to did dance. they know that you could dance well i always did some performance for uh, you know when the guests came okay uh, or like when we the group of brazilians went to italy we prepared a dance and we uh, in during one of the events we uh-huh. performed that dance and so they saw me on stage and so they saw that i could dance so they asked me to be part of that and how long were you with them so i was with them for four years four years so that six months turned into four years yes. so f- that six months was just that uh, first part uh-huh. while i was still like in my school and then when i became f- formally uh, like i i entered uh, one of the focolati communities uh-huh. um then I continue, like they asked me, like, can you continue? Because now you already learned. And so it would be really helpful. So where do you, where does this group perform? What do they do? So they um, basically like bring, is to bring the gospel message to the young audience. So we would go like all over Italy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, yeah, we went, like in my years, we went to Germany. Uh, Switzerland, Portugal, Austria. Um, so we learned, like I learned uh, to sing in German uh-huh. um, because I sang for mass. During the, the concert, I would dance mostly. Okay. And in my in that time when I entered, we actually uh, had a, it was a musical and we were sharing about the story of the Focolari, how it started okay. during World War II. So it was like that story. So I was one of the... Uh, students, the group of uh, first uh, uh, girls who started, so I was one of them. So I danced for the whole performance. That's cool. So you use the art form to yeah. to minister to to get the message out yes. there. Yes. That's that's better than like a you know a lecture or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. music, dance, and mm-hmm. and performance, and you did that yeah. for four years. For four years there in Italy, and then. When, so uh, when my director asked me, they need someone in New York, uh-huh. would you be happy to go? And then I said, I said yes to Jesus for whatever yes. he asks me for. So if it's New York, I'll go to New York. So I came to New York in 2001, like at the New Eve, New Year's of, yeah, New Year's Eve of 2001. Wow. 2000 to 2001. So uh-huh. I... Right at the turn of the century. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in New York, it was upstate New York. So we have a center there. And um, since I was still young, I was, st- I was still in my 20s, like late 20s. And they, um, the, the woman who um, was responsible like uh, there is always like two people responsible for a center okay so that is usually from the women's side and from the men's side like okay. they work together uh-huh. so the woman told me joelma so you dance like can you help our young people like can you do some something like some uh-huh. workshops with them or some performances so i started doing something and it was a beautiful one of the most beautiful experiences for me because um, I didn't, I was not formally, I only learned in Italy, like with that, profe- since they were professional, they really taught me, like I, 
I had my whole uh, training, like ballet training. Uh-huh. And um, in those four years, basically, I only learned, but I didn't know that I was capable of making something myself, like creating a dance from scratch. I didn't know that. Wow. And so when they asked me, I was really scared. I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, I, I have never choreographed anything. Uh-huh. And uh, to me, like, it was just like the most beautiful experience with Jesus, like to be there by myself and praying, like, please, like, help me because I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh-huh. And then something would just come up, like I would have wow. ideas. and Wow. Yeah. Isn't that funny how when you entered the community, you thought you were leaving dance behind, yeah. little to know that you would be going to Italy to study dance. Yes. And to use dance as an art form to preach, mm-hmm. to spread the word, to minister to people. Yeah. Wow, how God moves in wonderful ways. Yeah. And from New York, you came to Houston. Yes. Um, so in New York, let me just share this experience uh, that I, like, sometimes, like, creating was that, mom- that moment of union with God that, sometimes was like stronger than when I was in church. Uh-huh. Like sometimes I would cry, like while I was on stage. Performing. Not performing, but creating. Okay. Like, you know, creating, like thinking, okay, what should I, what steps should I do now? Like, what? Uh-huh. And, and just writing down like all my ideas and the steps and this and that. And uh, one uh, year, I, I made up a whole dance on the nativity. So like beginning from the Annunciation and then the visitation and uh-huh. everything. Like Mary telling Joseph what happened uh, and everything. So I would like sometimes just be, it was like prayer for me. Like dance was prayer. So wow. it was yeah, a beautiful. So that was also um, something that, I made my relationship with God grow a lot. Were you in New York during 9-11? You said you were there. I was, yeah. So I was in upstate, like I lived in Hyde Park. So okay. it's like an hour, over an hour away from. So it was, yeah, it, I was not in the city. Uh-huh. But yeah, it, it was. You were there. Did, did you know yeah. anybody who? No, all of all of our like people are. Of our community, we had focolari houses in New York too, but they were all safe and they were not anywhere near. What was it like from where you were during nine eleven? It was like for everyone, it was like living um, in something unreal. Like it was just like it didn't seem to be real. Like what we saw because we saw on the TV, like the whole word no like my yes. family was calling me from home like what's going on like how are you and i said i'm fine like i'm i'm far away like i'm not okay but for everyone else especially for those because i had just came here so i was not i think it was not so strong for me as for everyone else who lived there yes for years who were attached yes yeah so like for them it was so painful and so for me it was just like live that moment with them just be there for them did it affect your ministry and what y'all were doing Mm, no i don't think so it 
gave us more opportunities to love mm. other people. So it affected in a positive way, I think, because yes. we we did so much more like for peace, awareness, uh, you know, and prayer for those who lost their loved ones. And yeah, more more in that sense of like helping. And comforting the community. Comforting, yeah. So what brought you to Houston? How do you, how did you go from New York so to then, Texas? Um, you know, like when one person moves, it's like a domino effect. Okay. So yeah, so someone needed to go to Japan, and then the person who was in Chicago replaced that one, and then the person who was in Houston replaced the one in Chicago, and then I came to. Okay. Yeah. So that happens. I I think like God tells us his will through circumstances many times. Uh-huh. So. so you were just shuffled around and you ended up here in Houston. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been here? It's been, I think it's going to be seven years now. Yeah. Seven years now. Are there any plans of you being shuffled again? You never know. Only God knows. Tell us about the, the Focolare. Mm-hmm. A little more about the the community. Okay. So the Focolaris was born in Italy, like during World War II. And well, maybe like I can tell about something before that. So Chiara Lubick, when she was 18, uh-huh. she went on a retreat in Loreto in Italy. You know? Okay. So the tradition says that the angels brought the little house of Nazareth to Loreto. Okay. So then Chiara later researched on it and she found out that the, it was a family whose last name is Angels. Mm. So the Angels family brought the house. But in that moment, she just, you know, she was 18 and she just believed the Angels brought the house of Nazareth to that place. And she, during that retreat, there was one moment that she went to that little house and she was just like overwhelmed by the divine atmosphere that was there uh-huh. and she just like she could imagine like mary walking and doing some things in the house and maybe singing and she could see like jesus little jesus walking around the house and then joseph working and she just had that um strong like commotion and she said i was crying and crying i I was like overwhelmed by that joy uh-huh. and uh, by that supernatural, like there was something divine there that she could not touch. And she felt in that. Um, so she said during the retreat, every break, she instead of doing her break, she would run to that little chapel and stay there. She would touch the walls and uh, be just be there. With, uh-huh. And then she just imagined, like, um, this is a house of three virgins. There is Mary, there is Joseph, and then there is Jesus with Uh them. And so she saw her vocation. She just felt God was telling her, this is how you're going to be. Like, you're going to live in a house of virgins, and Uh Jesus will be always present among you. So she went back home, and she met with her spiritual director. And her spiritual director knew that she had a vocation that she was discerning. And so he said, so did you find your vocation? And she said, yes. And he said, so it's to enter a convent. And she said, no. So it's to get married. No. 
so it's to be like a consecrated virgin in the world, like maybe living with your family. She said, no. And he was like, this is all we have <laughs> in the church, like to offer you. And she said, I don't know, but it, none of this, but I feel that I found my vocation. Uh -huh. So that was like the first, you know, like the first beginning. Then after uh, a few years during, so the war uh, was like in full and she um, was doing an act of love. Actually, her mom asked uh, one of her sisters to go to get the milk. And it was like walking, I think, a kilometer or, in, oh, you know, and it was okay. snowing, it was cold, uh -huh. you know, to get like the bottle of milk. And none of the girls wanted to go. And Kara overheard. Kara was in another room, like uh, studying because okay. she studied philosophy and um, to enter the Catholic university at that time. And so she just got up and said, Mom, I'm going to go. So she put her coat on and she went mm -hmm. and on her way to to pick up the milk she um stopped by there is this little statue of our lady uh -huh. and she stopped there just you know to pray or to just look at her okay and she felt like a strong call give yourself completely to me and she felt like jesus was telling her like through our lady and so she went home and uh, wrote a very um uh, how do you call it? Like a very, she was like so excited about that. Okay. That she wrote that letter to her spiritual director. Something very heartfelt. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so the, then she met with the, with the priest and um, anyway, they got, the, the priest spoke with an, another elderly priest to get his confirmation and they got, um, they gave her the permission to, take her vows and like they gave her permission to take her vows forever uh-huh just wow. like that wow and, and at this point this was kind of a radical idea huh yeah because there wasn't anything like that in mm -hmm. the church so so she took her vows uh, on december 7 1943 so that like dates the beginning of the focolari movement like she had no idea like she always says if i knew that a movement would come after that, uh -huh. maybe I would be disappointed because in that moment, I was so happy to marry God. Like God is was all I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I was so extremely happy that that was it. I didn't need anything else. But then with the years, you know, um, then they told her, you know, you should start writing your statutes uh -huh. because there was a group already like, uh, around her like they, wanted to do something similar yeah yeah so then it became like with the years it formally but in the beginning it was just like her yes to god like to live for him completely and to help people because during the war you can imagine how many occasions now you have yes to, oh boy yeah yeah so she had um a little gospel in, in those years people didn't carry the gospel around like they lay people didn't have the bible at home okay so uh, she had one and she had always inside of her packet because during the war the um, alarms no the sirens okay. would uh, go off many times during the day so they would have to run to the shelters mm. so what she would do she would have um 
her group of uh, friends and they would re read the gospels. So that was like the beginning of the focolari with this in the shelters, uh -huh. wow. a, lot, a small group of people with a candlelight and they wow. would just read the gospel. And then one day she said, let's let's start really living like this what uh -huh. jesus is telling us not only read here and just like be consoled by this and just meditate on his words but let's go out there and put into practice so they started doing that and nice. see how true the gospel was you know just like i don't know during the war everything was missing you know so yes. like they would help people so they would bring you know I, I don't know. There are so many stories of, of them course. giving away all, you know, giving away their coats and their gloves. And then someone would bring a bag full of uh, clothes. And so they would have more so they could give more. Like she would say that in her in their house, in the entrance, there was a lot of bags of food and uh, clothes. And they would just go to the poor and wow. you know, and wow. help people during the war. So that is how it started. Wow. Yeah, like, That's fantastic. Yes. So what vows do you take? So it's the evangelical concept. So vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Okay. And what does that mean in, in a world that where you're not in a convent? Mm -hmm. How do Good you question. follow that? Good question. <laughs> yeah, so poverty. So we wear regular, regular clothes. No, we don't wear habit. And basically it's for us because we work in regular jobs. Uh -huh. So to we use this uh, sentence from St. Paul to make ourselves one with the others. Okay. So like to make, like he would say, no, I made myself Jew with the Jews and like to make ourselves one. So we go in the, like when I worked in the art field, uh -huh. um, especially in the performing arts, uh -huh. I had, you know, to wear makeup and all of that. Um, for the nurses they have to you know be with so we so you don't stand out yeah okay we're just like everybody else okay yeah and which sometimes is good because people feel more comfortable to come and talk mm, to us that's true other times for other people it's very good if they see a, a nun with habit yes and they will feel oh she will understand me and then she, yes she goes so there are different you know for some people that works and for other Mm -hmm. So for me, for example, when I was working with ceramics, I remember how my um, one of my teachers, he met, he knew me for like a few years because I came to his classes for many years. And uh, only at the end, uh, he um, found out oh. that I was, so I shared with him, uh -huh. like, and after I shared, he was like, I knew that there was something, <laughs> but I couldn't find out what was it. So, okay, now it explains everything. And I remember one day, one of my classmates was asking him, you know, I cannot pick up my uh, ceramic pieces. Do you think I could ask one of my classmates? And he said, oh, ask Joelma, she'll do it. Uh -huh. So like he knew that I I mean, he told me that I was different, like that I was. He knew you were a generous, kind, and loving yeah. person. And, okay. So like that, but I mean, to go back to your question. So poverty, we okay. do have our essential things, but we like every one of us have our, um, our salary at the end of the month. Uh -huh. It goes straight to one account. Okay. And we um, 
only have a, like a quota. Okay, for, an allotment for... Yeah, okay. so we pay, uh, you know, for the house, maintenance and uh-huh. cars. And and we do buy clothes when, when it's necessary. Uh-huh. We, we do buy clothes, but uh, usually we live by communion of goods. Okay. So we put things in common. Okay. So also with our larger community, um, I don't know, like also like not one of the main things of uh, living our poverty is not to be attached to some things. Mm-hmm. So not to be attached. So I might have things, but I'm not attached to them. Okay. I have them just because it's useful. Uh-huh. Or a friend, a friend gave me this watch. Okay. I didn't necessarily need it Uh but well she wanted me to have it so i have it but Uh i'm not attached to it or my phone Mm -hmm. or you know so like not being attached to whatever we have even like a very recent experience i uh, a couple of weeks ago i was in florida for a course and i was wearing a t-shirt that said something nice and this woman was like i love your t-shirt i love your t-shirt so it just felt, I don't know, I just felt like I need to give her this uh-huh. teacher because I also love it. And it could uh-huh. be that I am attached to it. So mm. the last day, it was a graduation day. And so I made a little, you know, package and I gave it You to gave her. her the shirt. <laughs> yeah. So like part of like being detached of everything that we From have. material things, yes. And it was so nice because when I came home, uh, one of the married um Focolarinas, she uh, came to the house and she was wearing a very nice sweater. And I looked at at it and I was like, oh, that's such a nice sweater. Mm -hmm. I didn't say it because it was not the right moment to say it. But the following week, guess what? She came to the house with a bag of clothes Uh to do her communion of goods because they do very often this. Like this, you know, I just went through my clothes and I just wanted to put this in common because... Because you don't need it. Really, I Uh need it. So guess what? That's where it was inside there. (laughs) (laughs) So I just felt like Jesus knew that I liked it. Uh He wanted to give me that sweater. So that is like the way of living poverty, of not being attached and wait for him to send me what I need, when I need. That's cool. And then So you've got poverty. What else do you have? And then poverty, uh, chastity. Uh So, of course, like to being chased in our case, because of course we don't have a, a husband, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but um, there is that other chastity that is um, we call it chastity of God, to really have like your to live um, that purity of spirit. Okay, that is also detachment from people, because um, you can be like. A holy person but then you can be attached to people okay and um to me is that uh, not staying with like there are so many people that i worked better with okay. like even within my community you now like i remember that there was a, a young woman who lived in in my community here in houston a few years ago and we worked so well together it was okay. so easy you know it was just easy to work uh-huh. and and so well, there is, there might be some attachment there too. And so like to love everyone the same. Not just people you're on the same wavelength yes. with. Okay. So like to have that love that is like the same for everyone. And I mean, I, I one of the passages of, uh, of the scriptures, uh, when Jesus was suffering because uh, 
John the Baptist had died and he was, uh, he went to a deserted place to pray mm -hmm. by himself. But then he saw the multitude, no? like he saw all the people and he was moved by compassion for them. So he was able to forget his own feelings and mm. love the people. And then yes. the miracle of the multiplication of yes. loaves are, came, no? happened. So to me, that is like a big example of forgetting myself, like my preferences, you know, mm -hmm. my attachments, my desires to be here instead of being there or to being with this person or the other person, you know, like my desires maybe to be with people that are nicer instead of people that are. No. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> so like all of that, no, like to love everyone the same. So that is like my chastity. And then uh, obedience is, uh, first of all, like obedience to God, no? uh -huh. like to um, doing his will in every moment. Yes. If now his will is to be here with you. So I've been here like fully without thinking of other things. Okay. So work fully or even like, even in front of a traffic light, light right? Like stop when it's red <laughs> so like <laughs> to be obedient to god yes and um but then like within the community is to be obedient um also to to our superior like we don't call superior is usually like the person responsible for the okay. community so even when uh yeah like in in our case it's not that we are told like you have to go mm -hmm to like now if they tell me you have to go to China because they really need you there. I would I would say I can go, but you know, I have stomach problems. I don't know if the food there will be good uh -huh, or uh -huh. this and that. So we would talk about it okay. and try to understand with the presence of Jesus among us, like Jesus uh -huh. would tell us, me and her, like what is mm, okay. like in New York, for example. Uh, it was hard for me to shovel the snow. Like for eight years, I lived there. Yes. And, like to shovel the snow, like <laughs> it was really hard. Uh, a lot of snow and so cold. And at a certain point, I said, I don't know if I can be here for so long. And keep shoveling every year. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it was only my like third year there. Uh huh. And my director said, Oh, Jam, it's, it would be really good if you could stay longer. Uh huh. So that was like I obeyed in that case but mm -hmm. then i was so happy to be there <laughs> it yes, was great in all my experience that i just shared yes. my dance and all of that and uh -huh. so it's like saying yes to the will of god and finding the hundredfold that he promised no yes. jesus said like who, who uh, ever lives father and mother and children and brothers and sisters will get a hundred times more so for me it's always like to have to get all of that it's such a gift to have um more like i didn't have brothers but now i have so many brothers mm. uh, i work with father richard like it's he's really like my brother and many other men who are you know in the focolati so there are many of brothers many fathers and mothers and sisters and so it's just like so beautiful to have that yeah to have done taken these vows uh -huh. of not having anything but then having everything basically that's awesome so tell me about your work here in houston so in the chancery where we are right now yes, yes. We're right here uh, so i work for vocations mm -hmm. so i i think i told you in the beginning that our 
our charism is unity. Did I tell you this? Probably not. I'm not sure. I don't yeah. think but so. But I told you. I We've get, had a journey. I know. Our- <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you that each one of us, we work in our own profession. So I have like in the house, there is a teacher, there is an engineer. and Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm, I happen to work for the church. So actually my profession, I would be an artist. So like that's what I, I work um I worked with um, clay a lot. So my degree is, uh, I have an art degree and like sculpture okay. is like my focus. But I worked a lot with clay, like with ceramics. I love making ceramics. Okay. So that was my job. And I um, I had, a, I saw an email message from Father Jesse, one of the priests here. And he told me, Jama, you know, um, Father Richard is looking for someone to work at the vocations office. Do you, is any focolarina looking for a job? And I told him, I'm actually looking for a job, but not for the church. Like I'm looking in an art field. Like okay. I, I applied to the Museum of Fine Arts and to a few galleries and that's what I'm looking at. And, and so I was typing, I was like, no, I don't think so. And then halfway through, I just deleted my email and I just told him, it's true, like I'm not, I was not looking for a job in the church, uh-huh. but I'm open to whatever God wants. So if that is something, you know, he wants, I mm-hmm. will. So basically I was not looking for a job in the church because I felt I need to bring Jesus somewhere else. Okay. Like the art field is so needed of god okay there and so i always felt this you know if i can bring god there in in an environment where that's mostly secular yes so that was like my so it's not that i didn't want to work for the church but i just felt you know i studied art so i can work there Uh but then uh, i felt i spoke with my director too and i prayed about it and the more I pray the more I felt this, you know, I am supposed to come here and work here. So I said yes. With so, Father Richard McNeely. The, with Father Richard. He's the director of vocation. Yeah. So Father Richard is the director and I'm his associate. And I work, I mean, our a lot of our work is to work for the seminarians, for all the candidates uh, who will come to the seminary, but also for young people in general who are discerning their vocation. So our goal is that every young people in our archdiocese is able to discern their vocation, whether getting married or priesthood, religious life, consecrated life in general. So So it's not necessarily pushing them towards religious life, but just finding what God wants from them. What God wants from them, yeah. And um, one of the things that I brought to this, work is a, a group called the Samuel group. It's for uh, young adults who are discerning. So it's a six month program of discernment and it's a very good uh, program. So we did the first year, it was a smaller group and only for the girls, only for young women. Uh-huh. And then it went very well. So we kept doing the second year uh, for young women. And then the third year, year we thought, how about doing also for young men? So now we do have uh, this discernment group called Samuel Group. For Samuel? Samuel. Yes. Okay. For men and women. 
So we still meet in different different rooms uh, most of the time. Uh-huh. And then we have, it's like having a mini retreat every month. It's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that is. Is it just a one day thing or? Uh, one evening for six months. Okay. But then during those six months, the person also goes for spiritual direction mm-hmm. and has like a, th- that is a journey. Like it's a six month journey. It's a commitment. Uh-huh. Um, but every single person who did it just like loved it. And um, some of them got out of the group with a clear idea of what their vocation might be. Where God wants them yeah. to go. Uh-huh. Um, others not yet, but like they're in the journey. So Yes, of yeah. course. It's a process, it's a process. for everyone. Yeah. They have their own time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I work a lot with young women, especially like all the women's events uh, I organize. But then I also help the seminarians. Like I help also with their program for new seminarians when they, uh, before they enter the seminary, mm-hmm. they have this program that Father Richard and I started. Um, that is uh, the propedeutic. So they li- they live together for in a community for a month and a half, more okay. or less. Um, and it's just like a beautiful preparation. What's before. it called? Uh, pro- well, propedeutic okay. is like the regular terminology for seminaries, like before they enter the seminary. Okay. Um, ours, we also call like a boot camp. Okay. <laughs> it's like a boot camp for the seminarians to prepare themselves to enter the seminary, which is a very good program. So for that, I worked and also for the uh, Hispanic um so some of the seminarians go to another country to to learn Spanish. Okay. And learn the, learn the culture, also like the mm-hmm. Hispanic culture. So that's something that I do too. Um, yeah, we do a lot. For the You're very busy. And I yes. are very busy. Yeah, it's like a full, full-time job. Uh, yeah. So if there's a young person who feels some sort of call and is trying to find what God wants for them, can they contact you here yes. at the yes, at the chancery? Mm-hmm. They can contact uh, me or Father Richard, and we will uh, guide them through the process. Okay. If they are at the age uh, to enter one of these uh, discernment groups, okay. that would be great. If they are younger than that, we can accompany them in other ways. Can they find the details on the Archdiocese website? Is that where they would go? Houston Vocations. Houston yeah. Vocations. Okay. Houstonvocations.org. Oh my gosh. What is that com? I don't know. Houston Vocations. Okay. Just Google Houston Vocations yes. and <laughs> and you should be able to find the chancery. And the, uh, yeah. Okay. They, our email should be there listed. The, the easiest way is either email us or call us directly. Okay. They can call the office and uh, usually like if there are... Young women, uh, they come and meet with me uh-huh. and so I can get a first idea if they want religious life, which kind, if mm-hmm. like they are more like contemplative life or more active missionaries or some of them, many of them come thinking, I really feel like my vocation is to get married, but how can I be open to both? Uh-huh. So we guide them through that process to like of being open, being in the hands of God for whatever God wants for them, for their future. So I would assume that a lot of our guests have passed through your office, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> so if you look on the YouTube channel, you know a lot of their stories, yes. huh? And you've walked with some of them. That is fantastic yeah, well, to see. Daniela and Caroline yes. went through through the same old group. Okay. This process, yeah. And yeah, many of them. It must be very rewarding seeing the progress of a yes. lot of these people eventually to yes. finding out where they end mm-hmm. up. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the examples is this young woman who I mean there would, there would be many examples but there is one of them who went to came to some of our retreats then she did the Samuel group and after the Samuel group she uh, found out her vocation so she's in a convent now wow. um one of uh, one of the women who came to my first Samuel group she uh, asked me to help her a little bit like in which you know how to to choose a convent oh so i helped her a little bit and she went to one and then i remember that she wrote to me oh Jayam, i don't know i'm not sure about this <laughs> and then i told her don't worry like it doesn't you know god wants you to be at home so if you yes. go to a community and you don't feel at home that's not yeah your don't place. don't force it yeah don't force it and don't feel bad and the sisters will be happy to know that you know they won't want you here if that's not your place that's true so don't feel bad in telling them yes so that's what happened so she went and now she's in another convent and, and she found the happy. right fit she found yeah. the right fit yeah so yeah it's it's good to see must uh, be extremely rewarding mm-hmm. wow well thank you for for everything that you do for you know for all of the people here in houston and, mm-hmm. and finding their vocations and we hope to see and hear from you more. Yes. And I'm going to tap you for some future guests. Okay. Just to let you know. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yes, feel free to do that. God bless you. Thank you.